Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Bible school and we might say, oh, I've done that. Or uh, maybe we could say, I don't have time. All right, we could say, I'm too busy. We could say, uh, you know, what is that going to do for me? Uh, in my family, right? Do these excuses sound familiar? Sure, all of us say them. And I would just say, pray about it, think about it, because the Bible enriches our life, and it gives us a quality of life where heaven touches earth. Heaven touches your family. Heaven touches your, uh, your energy. You're quickened by the Bible. You're quickened by the life of the Spirit. So, Pray about it. Think about it. And uh, don't, don't let the excuses take over before at least you prayed about it. Amen? Right? How many will pray about it? Good. Thank you for at least thinking about it. I remember I went to Bible school when I was 18, and then I moved overseas afterwards, and uh, it profoundly changed my life. Because think about it, one hour a week out of 186 hours is nothing. Right? It's nothing. But your meditation, your encouragement, your time together with others, opening the Bible. Uh, think about it, 186 hours a week. That's a lot, isn't it? To one hour of doctrine, right? So what, what do you think will have the greater dominance? 185 hours to one, right? I'm just provoking you a little bit. I was provoked by Stephen. This is good. And provoke. So I teach in the Bible school, and I just I always encourage our students like God has so much. Let's not eat spiritual McDonald's, right? Let's go for the filet mignon, right? Let's go for the let's go for the good stuff, right? My wife and I went out for sushi last night. It was her birthday, and I'm eating raw tuna. So wonderful. I could live on the Asian diet. Uh, anyway, I probably should. <laughs> Because, anyway, we'll stop right there. All right. Anyway, it's so good. God is a great spiritual diet. How did I even get there? Okay. Bible school. (laughs) Bible school. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing church. Really so edifying to see each one here. Um, Thank you about Frederick School of the Bible, Lord, just the step of faith, how Bible school builds churches and builds people and sets us free knowing the truth. So, Father, we pray today that you'd speak to us, encourage us. Thank you for each one that's here. Give them a personal word of encouragement, wisdom, and also victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 1. Now, I wanted to think today about something we've been teaching in another city. We've been teaching this, um, the gospel of Galatians, or the book of Galatians, excuse me. And, um, and I want to kind of introduce something here. Uh, actually, before, before I have you go to John 1, look at Galatians with me. <clears throat> We're teaching Galatians verse by verse in Elkton, and uh, this is such an amazing book. Um, and something in particular struck me as we were going through this but I I want you to think tonight about divine contrasts by the way it's great to have Nupu's family here did we we honor them? we've honored them right? 
We haven't. Oh, this is Nubu's family. So it's um, Arto and what is your wife's name? Haiti. Haiti and the, the daughter. Nora. All right, God, let's give them a great big hand. That's great, isn't it? Finland, right? Next future super, uh, next future in-laws, right? Anyway, all right. Okay, Galatians, right? In-laws, right? Did I say something? Okay. Okay, we better stick to the Bible here. I'm already in trouble. All right. So there, there was something interesting happening in Galatians. The Galatian church was founded on um, Paul's first missionary journey. And Paul, as you know, incredible man of grace, right? Really a man of grace. We can read about his testimony in 1 Timothy 1, 11 through 13. He talks about how he was a blasphemer. He was a, uh, just a destructive agent against the church. A killer. And then he said, but I obtained, I obtained mercy. And then his track record changed from uh, one pre-grace and his relationship with God to post where he's now a product of grace. So when he started planting churches and ministering the gospel, his emphasis on grace was very strong. As it says in 2 Timothy 2, 1, to be strong in the grace of God. It was one of the major things that Paul taught Timothy. Like he did not make it an option. He said, be strong in the revelation of who God is. And you know why? Because in the book of Galatians, what happened was Judaizers came in and started to contaminate the gospel and started to bring in the, the law and the, 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 the ritual and um, the the um, prerequisite of, of circumcision to be to be a true uh, Jew, a true spiritual Jew, and he started to bring in these um, these extra works to to be accepted and to be uh, really, in so many words, someone that is holy or someone that's a believer. And Paul gets really riled up here in Galatians chapter one because. He wants people to know that the divine contrast between grace and the law is serious. It's a serious thing. And it's such a polar opposite. Uh, they, 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 cannot, they cannot coexist. You ever see that bumper sticker with all, this, with all the emblems or all the different uh, signs that say to coexist? It has every single or well, most religious symbols. It's such a blasphemous book, uh, bumper sticker. It really is. Because... You cannot coexist. You cannot do it. You can, one is opposite of the other. Now, we're living in a very tolerant age. We're living in a very compromising age. So when I say something like that, uh, it immediately brings something that's general into something precise, right? Grace is so precise. Grace is so liberating. Grace is so clear. It's so pure, right? And the, the divine contrast between law and grace is very simple. Law starts with man. Grace starts with God. Now, I know that sounds very basic, but I want to show you something today, how we, even as believers, can 
that our waters can get contaminated. Our waters can get muddy. And we can have a religious spirit because we can mix or miss uh, miss seeing the perfection of what Christ has done. So think about this. Grace starts with God, right? It's the work of God. Where am I in that picture? I'm not in that picture. You're not in that picture. You are a recipient of grace. The law was man's way to God, and it is something that is uh, based in man, right? When you talk, I was recently in Atlanta, we were soul winning, and what an amazing city because the religion, people are choking on religion, and we don't see that only in the South, we see that everywhere, but it's very interesting. Religion defines man according to their sin. So religion does. Religion looks at you and me and says, oh, I look at you through the lens of your failure. Oh, you're that person? So I'm going to treat you through these types of blocks or these types of standards. We were talking with a young man that was dressed as a girl sitting there on the side of the road and the Holy Spirit prompted me to go over to this person and I don't typically have an issue with anything but I was kind of wondering why is it that the Lord strongly brought me to this um, this, this this gay person, right? This cross-dresser. And I went over with another brother and I just listened to their story and I found out that this man was a pastor's kid. He was a pastor's kid, broken. And I, I sat there and I didn't bring up anything about sin. I brought up I wanted to hear his story, and then I wanted to present the gospel to them, and that's all I wanted to do. And it was a very interesting conversation, and i, I got to tell you, when people were walking by us, I mean, it was pretty pretty sharp, uh, the religious looks of, they're looking at me, they're looking at this, this man looking back at me with disgust, as if to say, why are you wasting your time? And I, I am here just to say this, that, the grace of God can liberate anybody from anything. So one sin is not more difficult, or I should say, more heinous than the other. It just has a more, uh, it has a definitely a more of a destructive nature to it. But one thing about this person, and I, I said, "What is your story? I mean, what, why are you, why, what are you doing here?" And he was pretty amazed that we would stop and talk to him. And I said, you are made in the image of God. You're made in the image of grace. And we just presented the gospel and we moved on. But my point is this, is that grace does not define us in our sin. Grace defines us in the image of God. And the moment I define myself or another person in their sin, I enter into the wrong contrast. I enter into the law and I enter into contamination. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, because this is why. Look at this. Uh, Galatians 1.6. And I just want to say this, that I am more provoked and more sensitive to this than I ever have been because our nation and our communities and, our, and people are so broken with the law. They're so broken with religion. And I'm actually angry at it. Aren't you angry at it? Because it's not God. It's not God. Right? And when I, what I mean by that is when you and I speak the gospel, the glorious gospel, you know what happens? People are delivered. People are set free. People 
are healed. Well, it says this, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you. Notice this. Notice the, the order of this verse. I marvel. So Paul is saying, I'm astonished at you, Galatians. I have shared my life, my heart, my the teachings day and night, and now you are picking up another gospel. He says, I'm astonished at you. But he says this, that you are turning away so soon from him. Do you see those words? You see those words? From him. Who's he talking about? Like, for me to have another gospel, I have to first turn away from Christ. There's a capital H here in my King James, New King James Bible here. From him. And this is why you being here today learning your Bible, we are first called to him. Right? So when we talk about the gospel of grace, it is not even our gospel. It's not even our words, as he says here in the first verse. It's, it isn't even from me. It is totally from above. Isn't that good? Is there anybody out there? Is that good? All right. Uh, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. Okay, this is so good. He's saying here that God has called you to himself, and the message that he's given you is the gospel. It is the good news. It is the good tidings. It is the only word. Right? So I bring this up because I want to develop something with you today. Um, because the only message that will transform a life is the message of grace. It's the person of who God is. Now, we might say today, I know the message of grace. Well, we don't know it. I don't know it. I don't have any idea about it. And I've been studying it for 30 years, and that's a drop in the pan. Why? Because grace is a revelation of what God has done. And when we were sharing, we were sharing, we met some very interesting folk. And I love soul winning. Don't you love soul winning? You just meet people, and it keeps you humble, by the way. It also keeps you uh, with an edge to your sword, your spiritual sword, because people are broken, and they need good news. They don't need to be reminded of their sin. They don't need to be ground into power, saying how bad they are. Right? Grace doesn't do that. Grace teaches and lifts up the work of God, which transforms the sin, which transforms the appetite, which transforms the mind, which transforms the heart. Right? So, uh, so remember that religion, okay, I want you to catch this uh, definition. Religion, okay, is man's interpretation of God's absolutes. Think about this. I, 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 want to, I want to kind of teach a thought today. Man's interpretation. So immediately it's broken. If it starts with man, it's broken. It's broken. If it starts with me, it's broken. <laughs> if it starts with you, it's broken. So religion, man's interpretation, that's even more broken. How does man interpret things? By sight, by experience, by, by, by education based on what he has learned. That's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't work like that. The Bible interprets the Bible. Isn't that good? So in Bible school, we are learning the mind of Christ according to the heart of God. So when you and I talk to anybody on the street today, what is it? They are prisoners, right? They're prisoners to their, in their lives 
Because they don't know who they are and whose they are. So when you and I present the grace of God, which is not a get-out-of-jail-free card, it doesn't mean that God winks at my sin. It doesn't mean that I can live the way I want. By the way, it's interesting. Spiritual ignorance is when I live thinking that God will understand and just wink at my sin. Spiritual arrogance is when I think that I can help God and that I'm actually a good person. So there's some radical poles here. But the grace of God, it's such, a, it's such an edifying word we have. The grace of God says we are helpless, hopeless, and have nothing to contribute. And we fall on the mercy of God. And God says, okay, now your faith is a glorious faith. It's a glorious gospel. And it's something that will work because it's coming from me. Isn't that good? How many, how many want, which one do you want? Which one do you want? We want, the, we want the gospel of grace, amen? Acts 20, 24. It's the gospel, the glorious gospel. You know, we've all had conversations with people that um, they, they, they live in a lie and they say, well, I don't know if I'm going to heaven because I failed last night or, or I did this or somehow I disqualified my salvation based on my performance. And isn't, doesn't that grieve your heart? Doesn't that grieve your heart? It's like, wait a minute. The keeping power of God that saves you, the, the saving power of God has also the ability to keep you. This is why we have such confidence in this day and age that we hold the truth and it's not our truth. It's the truth of a perfect God. Does that make sense? Am I making sense today? Okay. I'm just, I know you know this. I'm just stirring you up here again. Notice what it says here. Let's look back here. It says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or another from heaven, an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which has been preached to you, let him be accursed, which means dedicated to destruction, anathema. Okay, that's how serious, that's how serious another gospel is. You might be wondering, why am I so wound up about this? Because it's subtle. It's so subtle. We can be, we can be legalistic with ourselves. We can be hard on ourselves. Why? Because we, <laughs> because we shift to another gospel. We start thinking, okay, I have to pray more. I have to do more. I have to, I have to be performed more. And I'm saying this to you today, grace has nothing to do with anything that we could do. We are the recipients of grace. Isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen? Why are you here today? Why am I here today? Am I here checking a box? Am I here to have some sort of like appeasement in my mind? Say, oh, I'm a good Christian. I'm not like my, my crazy neighbor. No, no. It's, not, it's about we are hungry and thirsting after grace. And when we, tell, when we tell somebody that's broken and, and unable to contribute, we can say, we are in the same boat. We're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. Well, I want to kind of show you something interesting. Uh, I love this. Let him be dedicated to destruction. That's pretty serious. All right. Look at John 1. I love John. John, showed, John the Baptist shows us an, an awesome example of this. So... 
religion. That is the weapon of mass destruction, by the way. You know how many people are going to hell that are in churches? And I, I don't mean to, I just mean just like that. Because they do not know the person of Christ. And this is what we strive to do here in a gracious, but in a very compassionate way, is we want you to know Christ and Christ crucified. We want you to dive into your Bible, right? And um, and this is the beautiful thing about grace. Grace says you're a, you are accepted even before you do anything. Religion is the other way. Religion is do, 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 and then maybe we'll have a committee and think about how spiritual you are, and maybe you might, you might uh, be approved, right? Like a satanic committee. No, no. Grace says you are approved and accepted and loved in the beloved. And you know what happens when grace enters someone's life? Grace does not leave a person there. It moves them forward in holiness and truth, and there is a beautiful change because we become products of this grace. Isn't that awesome? How many, how many are products of grace today? We all are, right? But it's subtle. We can, we can kind of we say, well, I got some goodness here. I'm a pretty good guy. You know, not like that guy over there, right? Or, you know, I, you know, I can have like a little inventory of how many good things I did for God this week. You know what? It's all, it means nothing. Sorry to break the break your thing here. The only thing that matters in the grace of God is the God of all grace. Right? Alright, let's look at this. John. John has a very interesting uh, situation happen to him. I read this and I love this. Now John here, in John 119, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now, notice what John does here. He does not answer the question. Okay? Notice this. He does not answer the question uh, with himself. So he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And then they said to him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said unto him, Who are you that we may give answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And isn't that a great question? What do you say about yourself? Sounds like the devil, doesn't it? What do you say about yourself? You ever get in a conversation with the devil about yourself? What does that even mean? You start to negotiate and talk, and the the projections come, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, the insecurities come, and you... What do you have to say about yourself? And John, I love what John says. I have nothing to say about myself. (laughs) Does that make sense? That is a great way to deal with warfare. Don't even talk about yourself. Because then the devil has nothing to work with. Right? That's a great way to still the argument that legalism, the legalists inside of us, that somehow we think we contribute goodness and God is saying, your goodness is as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. But look how John responds. What does he say? What does John say? John doesn't say, I'm, John does not say, I'm, the, I'm, I'm John the Baptist. John does not say, I'm an amazing guy that's been walking with God for many years. John does not, does not give any 
uh, background of himself. But what does he do? He talks about Christ. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, making straight the way of the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 3 says the same thing. What a great way to answer. Devil comes knocking at your door, send Jesus to answer that door. Oh, look what you did and didn't do and should have done and did and do and did. I'm a voice in the wilderness. That's all I am. And I'm crying the word of the Lord. That's what grace does. Grace does not live in condoning sin. Don't misunderstand. It's not a compromising of sin. But grace declares what Christ has done. All right, let me prove this to you. Look at Matthew 9. Matthew chapter 9. So it's subtle. I find it in my own life. I can get religious. I can get religious. Like all of a sudden, I think I, I start to interpret God's absolutes. Like that's even logically not possible. An absolute truth, it's impossible to know it absolutely, right? So this is why our Christian faith, you being here today, the work of God is a revelation. It means the Spirit is going to teach you and I about Christ. That's why in our failures and in our victories, we are learning more than just what I can see and what I understand. This is why situational ethics are such a challenge. What's situational ethics? Situational ethics means my, my uh, I make decisions based on how I feel and how things are going, based on the situation. That's our world today. That's relativism. That's liberalism. That's all kinds of the isms. What's the absolute truth? What never changes? What stays the same at all times? Jesus plus nothing. That's grace. Jesus plus nothing. That's a great message, isn't it? That's the glorious message. Jesus plus nothing. Well, I did this. I'm, I'm this person. And they give themselves a label or the alphabet soup. Or it's like Jesus plus nothing. I don't care where you've been. I care about where you are today with God. God loves you and wants to give you his best. All right, let me show you this. How you doing? You, got, you good for a couple more minutes? You good? All right, you're such good listeners. I might just go a little longer. It's only been 25 minutes. All right. I, should, I shouldn't have said that. Now you're going to be conscious of the time. But Matthew 9. Matthew 9. Look at this. Matthew 9, verse 10. Jesus had a real issue with religious people. He had a real issue. By the way, very interesting. Jesus never called believers hypocrites. He never did it. You search it out. If you find it, let me know. He never did it. He only called people hypocrites that were the unbeliever and the religious Pharisees who were unsaved. Notice what he says here. He says, now it happened. I love those words. Now it happened. <laughs> As Jesus sat at the table in the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, there it is, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We could say that a little bit more, you know, a little more sarcastic, right? Why does your teacher, like a mocking spirit, right? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? Like he's not supposed to do that. He's a holy person, right? He might get contaminated, right? I love it when Jesus touched the leper, he didn't get leprosy. Why? Because he was God and he was the healer. 
And that leprosy was nothing to him. And he graciously healed. And he even healed the unsaved. Just that's, that's how much of love he has. Notice this. Verse 12. And Jesus, when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I Don't you love that? Like, go back to school. Don't you love that? Bible school. <laughs> Amen. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've been thinking about the names that people call Jesus, right? Wine bibber, friend of sinner, adulteress. Let's look at that for a minute. Look at this in Matthew eleven nineteen. Like this is, I mean, grace is often misunderstood. Grace is often overlooked, but it is the mystery and power of God. Religion kills. It absolutely kills. And what I mean by religion is when it starts with me, it's already bad. When it starts with you, it's already bad. When it starts with God, there's fruit. When it starts with God, there's there's a purpose. When it starts with God, there is power and there is Comfort and there is victory. All right, look at this Matthew 11. This is so good. Matthew 11. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. Don't you love that? John didn't even talk about himself, and they still called him a demon. It's very, I got cursed out the other day at a store. It was very interesting. I, I haven't had that happen to me in a long time. Uh, I had somebody in front of me, and they were just demonic, and they just cursed me, and I thought, you're a demon. You're just a demon. But the demon, demon, demon uh, the demon world is very active, and the devil hates grace. Uh, by the way, I did not provoke that, to my knowledge, but, wow, that stirred me up. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Matthew eleven nineteen. Oh, it's what I wanted to say. But the Holy Spirit was so good. He shut me down. All right. For John came neither eating nor drinking. They said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. They said, look, a glutton, wine bibber, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. It's like if we think that, that we're not going to get crucified verbally and maybe even physically, then Jesus was the prime, prime point here. Jesus, in grace, went to the places that people would not go because he did not have a religious spirit. You don't have a religious spirit. You don't have it. You have a spirit of compassion and grace, and you have the spirit of life that ministers the glorious gospel. All right, last verse. First Timothy. So Galatians here, Paul is pleading with Galatians. He's saying, listen, he's saying, don't go back to traditions that don't give life. Don't sway and have a man-centered gospel. Don't be hard on yourselves. If I could just be blunt, don't be hard on yourselves. That is a religious tendency of asceticism. Asceticism, you know what they would do in history? They'd take a whip and they'd whip themselves to provoke more humility and self-effacement. 
And that's a religious, that's a religious thing. Don't be hard on yourself. The grace man falls on the mercy of God and says, I am nothing, I am helpless, I am hopeless. And then Jesus resurrects that man or woman, and there's life, freedom, and wisdom that enters their life. Right? I can get like Pharisaical, I can look at that other person and compare myself. Jesus says, Don't do that. The publican, what did he do? He looked down, he beat his chest. Who went out justified? And uh, we know it's the one that called out to Jesus. All right, last verse. Why am I saying this today? Because you guys are awesome, grace believers. I don't even know why, but I was provoked just to bring this up today. How many are edified? (laughs) I'm edified. I know how the natural man is, isn't it? He's just he's just so contaminated. James 3.11 says, can pure water come out of a dirty spring? Right? Can it? We hope not. If you throw something in the spring, like if you threw something in the fountain outside, let's say you threw like, you threw some, uh, I don't know, purple Gatorade, right? Good couple good pounds of it. It would change the color of that fountain, right? It would, right? Probably you might be able to drink it. I wouldn't recommend it, right? (laughs) But what you intake will definitely affect the content in your life, right? We intake today the grace of God, and we are set free. We are set free. All right, last verse. 1 Timothy 1, look at this. 1 Timothy 1. So I was just I was just moved by this conversation. I talked to another brother uh, that was hurt by the church, and I just said, I said, listen, I said, if you have a bad meal at a restaurant, do you stop eating? And they said, no. And I said, okay. So, so something bad happened, and I I'm sorry for that. Not that I was a, I was uh, any part of it, but I challenged the person. I said, listen, you and I must reach. For the God of all grace. We must reach for a community of grace. Like here, we must guard the community of grace. Because listen, grace doesn't see you in your sin. It sees you and I in, uh, in Christ, complete in Christ. And one of the greatest ways to soul win is when you talk to somebody, not in where they are now, but in where they will be. Isn't that good? Where will you be? I'm going to talk to you. You're going to be uh, in Christ, a follower of Christ. Just like Saul, when he saw Stephen get stoned, he saw a man that forgave, uh, he forgave on the spot, and it impacted Saul. Well, this is the same way. The world doesn't need another legalist. The world does not need another religious person. And that's for sure. And I remember talking to this couple, and I said, I said, listen, uh, the devil wants to take you out and, and distract you with religion. But God wants to have you go deep in grace and take that experience and lay it at the feet of Jesus and God will give you his mind and a spirit of brokenness and a spirit of humility. Uh, remember, religion is man's interpretation of God's absolutes. No wonder people have trouble forgiving. No wonder people have trouble uh, seeing each other in Christ. It's because we're so full of ourselves, right?
God deliver us from ourself. Well, this is such a good message. <laughs> All right, last verse. Uh, notice this. He says this. Paul is really just kind of saying this. Uh, he says, according to, okay, he goes through a whole list of things in verse 10 that's contrary to doctrine. Do you see that? Contrary to sound doctrine. By the way, that's, that's how we know. That's how we know where we are. Does it, does it match with Scripture? Does it match the heart of God? Does it match the nature of God? But according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was a former blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained Mercy. See, there's the shift. I don't want to talk about my past. I didn't want to talk about anything except Christ. John, who are you? I'm nobody but a voice in the wilderness declaring the glorious grace of God. Oh, that's so good. It's just like an argument. You, how do you stop an argument? You stop feeding the argument, right? Soft answer turns away wrath, right? <laughs> or you just say, yes, dear. That's typically what I do now. You're, honey, you're right. <laughs> okay, that was a joke. A little marriage joke there. All right. Um, I love this. I was a person. I obtained mercy. Thank you, Lord, today for these thoughts. Lord, keep us, uh, keep us loving mercy. Keep us loving the grace of God. We don't want to be spirit, uh, spiritually ignorant or arrogant. We want to just simply fall on your grace and say, Lord, by the grace of God, there goeth I. There goeth I, but by your grace you have saved us. Lord, give us uh, your heart and mind for the lost around us, Lord, the broken. Uh, Father, help us to be uh, hands that are open and stretched out rather than fists and crossed arms, Lord. Help us to go bring the health to the unhealthy places. Help us, Lord, to be the voice in the wilderness that's crying out, not our name, but your name. And Jesus plus nothing. This is, the, this is everything that we need, Lord. Help us uh, to be gracious to ourselves. Help us to be gracious to ourselves, gracious to our family, gracious to um, our communities, Lord, our neighbors. Love thy neighbor as you love yourself, and that fulfills the whole law. Lord, teach us these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.